Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody. It is Bridget McGowan, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I have with me today, Isis Clay. Isis, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Bridget. I'm happy to be here. Yes, Isis and I were talking, and she comes from a thespian background. And so I know as a listener, you may be getting a little bit nervous, thinking to yourself, well, she's just a performer naturally she belongs on stages she's got this theater experience in her pocket how what there's no way I can do what Isis does but I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised she's got some strategies and ideas and inspiration that's really going to make you feel like you can own the microphone so Isis tell us a little bit about yourself where are you from what's your background what do you do now Absolutely. So I am from Ahoskie, North Carolina. It is a very small town about uh, the closest thing that most people know is about maybe 30 minutes from the Virginia line and about an hour from Greenville, North Carolina, where uh, East Carolina University is. So it's really rural. It's, uh, you know, in the sticks. <laughs> what, what, what's the population? How many people? Yeah, you, you, got, you got me stumped there, but it oh, has okay. to be like five 3,000, 5,000. It's small. It's really small. Okay. So I must be the only person who does this. I grew up in a place called Livingston, Texas, and it had this green sign. I'll never forget it. This green sign with the white letters. I mm-hmm. guess that's standard for highway signs. I don't know. And it, I'll never, I don't know why the number stuck with me. It's the, the number on the sign was Livingston, Texas population or POP period, 5,019. I don't know why. I That stuck. 5,019? Yeah, and I pay attention to that when I travel. I, I notice the population sign. I, 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 it's just a thing. So I guess I, I will not ask people <laughs> the population <laughs> of their towns going forward. Okay. That's your thing. Now I have to look it up now. I'm going to have to look up the... Uh, population of a husky North Carolina but um yeah so I, I grew up in a small town you know where everybody knew everybody and there was a train track and you know you stayed on either one or the other side of the train track um but then I left and I moved to Maryland so um I, I moved to Maryland and that's where I have stayed for a while quite a while right outside of Washington D.C. So, yeah, I went to college for theater, as you mentioned. I was a theater major there, and um, at I started out at Howard University, and then transferred to North Carolina Central University, Eagle Pride, and um, majored in theater, loved it, and then love got me, Bridget. Love got me, got me early, <laughs> and wow. because the plan was to go to New York. And to become this amazing actress, you know, go to Broadway, live the dream. And then I fell in love. And then I started having babies. And it was <laughs> wonderful, but you can't really raise a, a young family off of a new actor's salary. 
or lack thereof. And so I became a teacher, kicking and screaming, like literally kicking and screaming into education. I didn't want to do it. And um, my first job was with the Maryland Department of Juvenile Justice in 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 young uh, detention facilities for young people. So that was my first teaching job, teaching theater there. So uh, a long, very long story short, short, I left there and went to a performing arts high school where um, I was there for a while. But then I started really feeling the effects of secondary traumatic stress and burnout. You know, um, although I came into, I joke about coming into teaching, kicking and screaming, I did fall in love with teaching. Um, so much so that I gave more than myself to education. You know, I gave more than 12 hours a day at the school, you know, regularly. When I say regularly, I mean at least four days out of the work week. And so I started beginning uh, uh, burning out and suffering from this thing called secondary traumatic stress, which I didn't know what it was at the time. And um, it eventually led me to leaving the classroom because I I just was not the teacher that I had been. And through the process of that and through the process of learning what I had been dealing with and watching my colleagues and former colleagues deal with that, I wrote a solo show. So I know your your listeners are like, ah, we're, we're, we're in uncharted territory now. Yeah, I wrote a solo show about my experiences bore my entire soul to audiences about how I, you know, my, my journey into education in and through it. How did you find the courage and the strength to do that? Because that is not easy. It's not to just say I'm, let's say, do a 15 minute presentation on my life, (laughs) much less a show. How did you find that courage? That is a great question. So it didn't start out like a a solo show. It started out from journals um, that were written to my students after I had left, you know, Um, because I had this massive amount of guilt and I didn't know where to put it. So I put it on the paper and I wrote letters to them. And then a friend of mine was like, hey, you should, you know, I have this opportunity. You should just, you know, share it. And I'm like, I don't know about that. This is some, (laughs) this is some personal things that I don't know if I want to really share. And um, my first sharing of it was at the Kennedy Center. It was at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. Yes, that was the opportunity that the friend had. They were like, yeah, so there's this uh, uh, program called Page to Stage, and I have a spot. You interested? (laughs) Like, and then they they were very supportive, I will say that, when I was not so confident. And so it's, you know, we all have those friends and those family members who at times, you know, feel like, oh, it may not even be friends and family members, it may be strangers. At times, it seems like they have more faith in us than we have in ourselves. And so it took that one woman saying, no, 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 you're going to do it. No, 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 you're going to do it. And Bridget, I'm going to tell you, up until the minute right before I walked on that stage, I was still like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. But I took a deep breath and I was like, you know, 
Um, I don't know if, if you are a, a believer, but I am. And I said, God, I'm gonna put this in your hands. And clearly there must be somebody out there that wants to hear this story and needs to hear this story. So here we go. And I, I took a deep breath and I walked on stage and <laughs> that's how it started. Now, what do you do when you have moments like that again, where you lack that confidence and that lady's not around? What do you do? Absolutely. So I'm so glad you said said that. At the beginning, you were like, you know, she's a theater major and, you know, she's, she's comfortable on stage yes. to a degree. Yes. But I think it's a, 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 people think that actors or speakers don't get nervous. And that is absolutely not the truth. I have not met one speaker, one actor, one actress who does not get nervous. And so what I do specifically um, with that nervous energy is I transfer it. First of all, I have to name it, right? And I have to think about why am I nervous? What's making me nervous, right? And it, it's imposter syndrome, which actually is, is a big thing in my life. Um, if it's imposter syndrome saying, you know what, let's make this list. And uh, Bridget, I've, I've made a list and it's called my list of dopeness, right? <laughs> my list of dopeness. And I nice. write, write down... <laughs> everything, everything I can think of from, from the mundane to the amazing, you know, what makes me dope, right? And so I have memorized like maybe five or six of the things. And so right before I go on the stage and when I realize that, no, that it's imposter syndrome, that's, that's making me nervous, making me think that who am I to speak in front of these people? I go back to those five or six things almost like an affirmation, you know, where it's like, no, you've done this and you've done this and you've helped this person. And this person literally told you that, you know, what you said changed their life. And so by creating this list of dopeness, that's how I fight imposter syndrome. List of dopeness. Everybody needs one of those, whether you are making presentations or not, just to remind you when you have those days when it feels like you cannot go one step more. Yes. <laughs> it feels like you cannot push anymore. You need to look at that list of dopeness. Oh, I love that. And 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 just posting it actually making copies of it and posting mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. <laughs> all around the house and all around the office. <laughs> Absolutely. I have, I have it on my phone. I have a, a, a copy of it on my phone because, you know, my phone is attached to my hip all the time. And literally, you know, on those, those low days and those low times. And again, like you said, not even right before a presentation or speech, but just when you're feeling low, like, you know, down on myself. I'm, you know, I'm not as far as I want it to be. I haven't, you know, accomplished this thing or the other, or no, 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 no. You've accomplished a lot. And everyone has a list of dopeness. Like literally everyone has a, an entire list of what they have done, what they have accomplished, what they have overcome. Just write it down, put it on paper. Yes. And read it over and over again. 
Well, I know something that I'm adding to my to-do list. That's for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. Isis Clay is the founder of Sculpted Clay Productions. She's also an actress, a master teacher, and motivational speaker. For 15 years, she served as a teacher, uh, a leader, and mentor for Prince George's County Public Schools. And that's one of the top 25 largest school districts in the nation, by the way. During that time, she facilitated workshops for new teachers, and then she also mentored new and seasoned teachers alike. Isis uh, is uh, just a woman of so many talents. She has led workshops. She has delivered keynotes. Uh, and those keynotes and workshops are designed to foster resilience in educational professionals using a trauma-sensitive approach to interactions with students and with themselves. She continues to strive for an increased spotlight on teacher and student mental wellness by hiring deeper conversations around education, including complex and important topics like primary and secondary trauma. So we know the topics on which you speak, Isis. My question for you is going to be, think back to uh, the person you were when you gave your first speech versus the person you are now, what would you tell that person giving that first speech on primary trauma or on student mental wellness? What would you tell that younger person? Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting here thinking about who I was then and how I felt ill-prepared and kind of, I think it goes back to that, you know, imposter syndrome. Like, why would these people want to even hear your voice? Who are you to speak on these things? Who are you um, to speak through these things when you are still dealing with these things, you know? when you haven't figured everything out. And what I would tell that person, what I would tell myself is there are people sitting in that room right now who need you, who need to hear from someone who's been there, not someone who has studied it, someone who has felt it, someone who understands so intimately the problems that they're going through right now. They need to hear from them, from you. And uh, whether your voice shakes, whether your voice is small, they still need to hear the words coming from you. And uh, I think that I really needed to hear that. I needed to know that there were people out there um, that would be helped by my story, you know, as a teacher, that was my thing, you know, connecting with students and helping students. And so when I left the classroom, it was like, what now, you know, a, a huge part of my identity had been stripped away. It felt like it had been stripped away. And to know that even if I'm not in the classroom, I'm still teaching, I'm still helping, I'm still mentoring and connecting with people, you know? So I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. Mm. That's 
a primary component of speaking is helping others. I think we forget about that when we see the lights and we see the big stage and uh, all of the equipment and everything and speakers and microphones and such, we forget that it's really about helping other people. And that's one of the hallmarks of some of the most effective speakers is that after you hear them, you feel like you've been helped. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would even say that if your speech is not designed with someone, you know, you're you're not talking to someone, you're talking just about you and you're not, you know, uh, prepared to talk to the pains of the people that you are speaking to, then what are you doing? What are you, what are we really doing? on stage. You know, it's not the the ISIS hour. It's it's all about what can I say? What can I provide someone in this room? Even if it's just one. Even if it's just one person. You know, what can I provide that person um so that they can they can be stronger. That they can either know that what they're going through can be overcome or maybe they will have skills to, you know, to approach whatever issue that they're doing. That's the lens that we need to to look at it through. And I think that also helps when we are telling our story, because sometimes if we get in our, in our heads, like, oh, this is a personal thing. This is, you know, I don't want to tell anybody because I feel like I'm bearing my soul. Um, If we look at it through the lens of what in this story can help someone, I was listening to someone on Clubhouse and they were saying, don't stand in your story, stand on your story. Like if you are giving a speech from inside of your story, you're still feeling that pain, you're still feeling that hurt, and you can't really be of service. But once you get to the point where you can stand on your story and use it as a launching point to help other people, that's, that's when you, your, your speech and your uh, presentation becomes amazing and, and transformative. Mm. I think that's what can hold people back. And those are such simple words. Don't stand in your story, stand on your story. <laughs> such simple words but very powerful in helping us understand it's about getting out of thinking about you and what happened to you and how this happened to you mm-hmm. and how it was just awful mm-hmm. but stepping back and stepping on that mm-hmm. story and gaining strength mm, I had to jot that one down for sure <laughs> the other and and one of the things that helped me in in my personal story of you know secondary traumatic stress and, and what I've what I went through and losing um, several students um, and when I say losing I mean they passed away like losing them um, what helped me first of all was therapy I'm gonna go ahead and say that <laughs> first of all was therapy but second was looking at why not I don't want to say why because you know we don't know why people people leave us but what was the moral of the story what is the moral of of my entirety 
of, of my story. What is the lesson that I learned and that other people should know from my journey in education, right? And that lesson was to not lose yourself in education. You know, don't become a cog in the wheel of education. Choose the teacher that you want to be without losing who you are. So I think that's important when we're looking at our stories is really looking at what is that lesson? And if you haven't found the lesson yet, you do one of two things. You go ahead and try to find it before you present a, a, you know, a speech or a presentation on it, or you find something else to talk about, you know, because if you haven't figured that out, then you're still standing inside of your story. You're still standing in it. You're not ready to share it just yet. When you said choose the teacher you would want to be, it reminded me of a time when I used to do faculty development workshops. Mm -hmm. I traveled the country and every Thursday, just about, I was on a plane headed somewhere to some university, some campus, some technical school. And I was spending time with faculty members on a Friday morning. And I remember in those workshops, I would find myself saying, be for your students the instructor that you wish you had had when you were in their seats. Absolutely. Be for your students the teacher you wish, the <laughs> professor you wish, the instructor, whatever title you want to give your name, be that person for your students. Yes. And I am going to use it here and say, be the speaker for your audience that you would want to hear if you were sitting out there. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because people don't come just to hear your drama. <laughs> you know, they want to hear your testimony. They want to hear the testimony. And if you don't have, if you can't see that testimony yet, then, you know, if you, they can't get anything from it. Be the speaker that you would want to hear. Be that inspiration. Yeah, I love that. Isis, one last piece of advice for our listeners. What do you have for them? It, it, can, it, can be, it can be more than one piece of advice. I will let you break the rules and you can give us two, three, five, however many you want to give us. <laughs> well, first and foremost is what we've been talking about before. You know, find a story, find a presentation, find a... Uh, a part of your life that you can stand on and not in, you know, so that you can be uh, a testimony or you can share your testimony with someone, um, someone else in the, the audience. That's one, you know, speak from, from the heart, but speak from a place where you, of power, you know. Um, the second thing, and this is, I think, more uh, practical, if you will, right before you go on the stage, right before you go on the stage, um, do something physical. Now, I know it can be a little difficult because you're probably dressed all the way up to the nines. You got your face on. Your hair is amazing. You, you know, you have on really, you know, your dress clothes or, or however it is that you dress for your presentation. 
But I would suggest if you have on heels for, you know, if you wear heels, take the heels off and do like maybe five jumping jacks. Nothing that's going to break a sweat. You don't want to have pit stains, but, <laughs> but something that's going to take that energy that you're feeling that you are equating to nervousness, right? Something that's going to take that energy and change it, change it into something that you can actually use, right? So do I do five jumping jacks right before, you know, sometimes I do a little running in place, um, almost like someone like a boxer that's right about to go to in the ring, right? I'm getting myself hyped up. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Everybody out here, whether it's three people or 3000 people, they're here to hear me. They're here to get something that I've already prepared. The speech has already happened. All I have to do is just walk the walk. You know, these are things that I, I'm, I'm telling myself. I'm pumping myself up. And then I have those, those uh, lists of dopeness that I'm saying to myself, right? I'm getting myself all excited because if I'm not, if I, if I don't and I'm just standing and waiting, then what's happening is I'm using that nervousness and it's breaking me down and I'm, I'm forgetting my first, you know, the first line, I'm forgetting my points, I'm forgetting all these things. Nah, 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 hyped up. Get yourself super hyped up. And then as soon as they say your name or as soon as you, you're finished, uh, they finished introducing you, take a real deep breath on a count of five, blow it out and go and walk in your purpose. There you have it, everybody. There you have it. Isis Clay, this has been absolutely fantastic. I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. This has been so fun. I really appreciate you having me too. Awesome sauce. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. Mm-hmm.